0: I'm Lance Thurlkill, and this is how you sell without selling out. Roger's that.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Roger's Healy, and welcome to Roger's That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. And today we have somebody that um, I guarantee he's been a part of your life, whether you know it or not. (laughs) When I think of uh, superheroes in the world of um, material, I think of people such as Iron Man, maybe even Thor. Um, But today we have a different type of superhero. We have a 40 under 40 honoree. We have someone who is the third generation of running the family business. Uh, We have a longtime friend, a proud SMU alum, a man of faith, a father, a husband, but most importantly, we have the metal man. We have the guy that cannot go anywhere without an alarm going off. And ironically, as he showed up today, our entire building just shut down. And it was not because of a fire. It was not because of weather. It was because the Metal Man <laughs> was, in, was within proximity. So today, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Lance Thrillkill is his birth name. But after today, he's only going to be known as the Metal Man. And uh, there's a whole lawsuit going on right now with Marvel and Robert Downey Jr. taking the Metal Man's persona into a huge movie, which later became Iron Man. But uh, we're going to take a deep dive but not too deep because the pool is made of metal and we don't want to hit our heads so today ladies and gentlemen someone who has learned how to sell something that has been around for god knows how long and all metals fabricating uh the Metal Man, my friend Lance Throka, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. That's quite the intro, and uh, I love my new nickname, The Metal Man, so thank you for that. So yeah. I will live and die by that from now on.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, before <laughs> we get started, it appears as though you're drinking a beautiful uh, energy drink. What is this today that you're... Go cons- fuel,
0: man, because I'm trying to be the greatest. I want to be the greatest dad, the greatest husband, uh, in the opposite order there, um, and, and the greatest leader. I just want to be great at everything I do, and uh, this energy drink inspires me. And uh, I'm fortunate to, uh, thanks to you, to be oh. able to uh, get in on this in the ground level, and uh, I was excited to see it in Hub this this weekend, wow. um, and and at a gas station as well. So it's definitely gaining momentum, and uh, it's very exciting.
1: Wow, that's a commercial for Goat Fuel. But uh, speaking of the can, what is that can made of? It's made of metal. Let's wow. go. Okay, and maybe my heart. What is that made of? Um, metal. Okay, and your favorite character on Wizard of Oz. The Tin Man. Why? Do you feel a connection? Metal? Metal? Okay, metal. So so there's a theme here, but what I was excited about Lance is Lance is a storyteller. He's got a lot of great gifts. One of the gifts is uh, he's a very inclusive person, and he makes everybody feel like family, which um, I experienced a long time ago when I first met him at his old house, which, by the way, was made of... Metal. It was a metal house. And so uh, Lance is a disruptor and uh, his house was a hard time to sell. I didn't sell it, but it was on the market for about 10 years because he had to find someone who said, oh my God, I also love metal. Uh, But for real, what I'm excited about today is uh, hearing about your family's story and how you've gone and you know made it your own. Why well, you've molded it, but you, not technically because metal is really, really hard to mold. But maybe, maybe walk us through the journey of being in the family business and how All Metals Fabricated has become a literal powerhouse. Believe it or not, on social media and one of the best follows on LinkedIn is this company because he's brought a personality to metal. Uh, before I forget, too, who's your favorite rock band?
0: This is a layup, uh, guns. No, shoot, heavy metal. come yeah. on, name it.
1: You help Metallica? me,
0: Metallica, Metallica. Yeah, but metal. That's, um, oh.
1: Okay, all right, sorry. I told him we we're gonna have metal some alica. Yeah, metal. Okay, alica. There go, yeah, there you go. Um, all right,
0: oh, there's got to be another one than metal in it. I feel like we're missing something.
1: Well, just Metallica's any heavy metal, great. yeah, heavy metal. That's okay, cool. walk us through. You got the the, the shirt on, but let's, let's yeah, hear the family uh, story. So,
0: yeah, my grandfather, um. He grew up in the sheet metal industry since he was a teenager. Uh, he worked for A.C. Horn, Dallas company, 100-year-old uh, Dallas company. Uh, you may know Michael Horn. He went to Highland Park.
1: Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he was in the Air Force. Or he, was, he served. Uh, he served
0: in the military. Yeah, no yeah. way. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I think they're fourth generation actually now. But anyways, so uh, my grandfather got a lot of the ideas, just the the um, integrity and some of the, the way that we, we structure our compensation from A.C. Horn. He acquired All Metals Fabricating, which was originally founded in 1953. He acquired it in 1978. Um, it's in Richardson off of Bowser Avenue uh, over there, kind of in the telecom sector. And my dad came on board uh, later. You also just
1: said so the telecom sector. Sector, yeah, yeah like they, that little very yeah, telecomy, yeah,
0: yeah, very telecomy yeah. over there, um, which, which is what the company was built on. The backbone of the telecom industry, the boom in the 80s and 90s. Um, and uh, my grandfather's very innovative, man of very high integrity. Uh, you cannot outwork him. He's, you know, from the greatest generation of all time. Uh, they, they built this, this with their bare hands, this country. Um, and uh, so, yeah, the, the company was built, telecom boom, 80s and 90s, uh, 2000, Y2K hit, uh, yeah. telecom went, uh, just plummeted, and so we diversified quite a bit. We also moved, uh, coincidentally, we were moving that year up to Allen into a bigger space, um and so now we serve virtually every industry. Um and at the funny that the name of your the podcast is sell without selling. I mean that's sell really sell without
1: selling out. No, we need sell to without sell without selling out, sorry.
0: Okay. Uh but really our our motto has always just been be faithful and excellent. My grandfather and my dad just be faithful and excellent with the opportunities in front of you, take care of your people, take care of your customers, and like the sales will take care of themselves. Hmm. Um and um and, and that's always been their motto and just really you know the, the company has grown and evolved to not just sheet metal fabricating, but machining, powder coating, electromechanical assembly. You get, you get
1: so excited talking about it. Yeah, I do. No, yeah, seriously, it's exciting. You're, you're so. passionate about the metal industry.
0: Right? I'm, I'm passionate about people, really. Yeah. It's what it's all about. Like my grandfather put people first. My dad put people first. Um, they cared for their people in a radical way. Um, and it changed people's lives. And it ch- is changing, p- continue to change people's lives, and when you take care of people, they take care of you. And so, uh, what that looks like is then our our employees putting our customers first and taking care of their needs in a, in a way that is extraordinary.
1: Yeah. So, uh, did you grow up thinking that you were going to be, you know, the heir to the metal throne?
0: Yeah. You know, my parents, (laughs) I love that. Um, You know, my parents never put pressure on me, neither did my grandfather or anything. Um, But my dad is the most, and so is my grandfather, the most selfless people you'll ever meet. Um, It's just incredible. And so I always grew up wanting to go give back. To them and help them retire or do whatever they wanted to do because they've just been so incredibly selfless their whole lives.
1: Wow. But the, the, the journey, I mean, obviously, you went to a top tier school, you went to SMU, TCA for high school. Was the intention and the objective always to get in the family business, or did you have other things that interested you? Was it from day one, this was what you wanted? Yeah. I, and by the I, way, guys, we're talking. Let's let's talk some ho- some card ho- cold hard numbers here. Like, talk about the the, the monstrosity of the company. Like, yeah. The- we,
0: so we have seventy employees. We serve virtually every industry. Ericsson's our biggest customer. We make uh, parts for the F thirty five fighter jet. Um, so Lockheed Martin, I mean, we do virtually everything. We, we make a, a chassis for Quest Medical that keeps, your, uh, al- keeps you alive while you're having an open heart surgery. Wow. So it keeps your heart running. Um, so just virtually every industry. Um, it's, it's an incredible company. We are, uh, we've become known nationwide as, as a leader in innovation um, with technology as Industry 4.0 rolls out and um and so yeah we're just we're just loving it just caring for people and, and serving people with excellence
1: all right so so it's ingrained in you the world of metal and you see these opportunities and you're growing up and then at, at what phase in in your life and your career did you realize that the path to going and you know continuing to scale and grow your family's business with a different mindset knowing that you're a great leader and again lance is one of those guys whether you're at a party you're at church you're at dinner or you're Just anywhere, you gravitate towards them. And ironically, um, when I think of something like a material that is, uh, maybe it has a gravitational pull, I think of... The Magnet, which is made of? Metal. Unbelievable. I tell you. Actually, that's the name of this episode. It's going to be called The Magnet. You're a magnet for greatness. <laughs> Thank you, bro. That's a great that, nickname. We, yeah.
0: we have a lot in common for sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, but for real, I'm saying like how did this all go? You know, How do you get excited about working in the family? How do you get excited knowing that you're working in the metal industry when maybe you had a lot of friends that were getting off to do – law or real estate or, yeah. you know, something in entertainment?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So, yeah, i uh taking it a step back. So, like, growing up, um, you know, I always thought this was what I would want to do, but I uh, was never pressured to. Uh, my My mom made me start working as soon as I think I was 14 years old. I got my first job at All Metals. Didn't like that. Ended up having a few other jobs, selling things, gym memberships
1: and whatnot. So selling gym memberships.
0: Yeah, and um and so I am born on New Year's Eve, but when I'm so on my eighteenth birthday I rented out a microtel and uh
1: what is a micro a hotel?
0: Yeah, it's a hotel. So I'm eighteen, we rent out this micro hotel, uh and uh, me and a buddy, and we double our money. Uh, moving back, so I would played soccer at College of Charleston for a couple of years. Came back to finish at SMU, just because knowing I'd always be wanted to be in Dallas and and go work in the family business. Uh, I formally started LT Productions. So I remember back in the day when you were throwing New Year's parties, and you were you know a few years older than me. And uh, were we rivals? Well, I think I don't know. I think it was really? just different markets. Yeah, Real, like. Oh. But I know some people that they may have gone to both, or I may have lost some to you. Dang.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but it's
0: all right. I think you bowed out after uh, my fourth one.
1: When I turned 40.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, so yeah, so ended up with culminating it, renting out the West End marketplace and doing like 180,000 in ticket sales in one night. Um, uh, And so we netted like... You know, 70,000 bucks that night. Oh me my, and my gosh. Uh, so I started this company and, and started doing promotions. I don't think I actually, actually,
1: I don't remember this at all.
0: Yeah, you probably do. I'm sure you came to some of the parties. LT Productions, we actually had parties here in this building, used to be Wish Lounge. Oh my gosh. So after that big party, all the nightclubs, Ghost Bar and Suite. Uh, we're all trying to get me to run the weekly promotions. Um, I invested some of that money into a band called Big Red Rooster. We ended up touring nationally. What? I uh, literally. I uh, mean... Yeah, we did songs with Acon, Slim Thug, E40, Playing Skills as our producers. They were Grammy winning artists. Um, or Grammy winning producers. Sorry, they won like four or five Grammys. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, they band toured nationally. Actually, had two DJs as well. Um, one of them signed to Pretty Lights and still on the Pretty Lights label. No way. Uh, yes, yeah, so I really enjoyed music. I've always enjoyed music. Kind of like I, we have. So much in common. It's crazy. But, uh, anyway, so I, uh, I was, yeah, having fun, throwing parties for a living, but I always knew I'd go back into, you know, the family business. Meanwhile, I'm getting my MBA or master's in accounting at SMU. Um, and so kind of at the same time, God's starting to change my life. I'm real, you know, I've got everything a 20 something year old could want. I'm making tons of money throwing parties and, and, uh, you know, got the girlfriend, but also doing whatever I want. And, you know, touring the country with a band, getting my MBA at SMU. But I was totally empty, man. And uh, it was just like I did not – I was not who I wanted to be. I was I had it all for a 20-something-year-old, and I was just like, this is not it. And so God – I started going on something called the Porch at Watermark, um, and, and a pastor named JP and God really used him and the porch to, to turn my life around and all this is happening right as I was graduating and getting into the family business. And so, um, I kind of find myself at a crossroads, like this is always what I wanted to do, but now God's changing my life. And like, should I go into ministry and all these different things? Um, but really got excited about. Colossians 3, 23 and 24, just about whatever you do, do with all your heart, um, as if you're working for the Lord, not for human masters, and you will receive an eternal treasure. And so um, that became my focus, that shifted my perspective that like this job is not for a paycheck, it's for ministry, and these are people are, are who God's entrusted me and my family to steward. And my dad and my grandfather had always had that mindset without connecting the dots from a theological standpoint, if that makes
1: sense. You know what's crazy too is when you make the decision, the business takes off differently. Oh
0: yeah. So we like yeah, we went we blew up that year. It was like I, I was like praying God, give me a sign. Like if you don't want me to go into vocational ministry, like give me a sign. And like we had a record year that took us like that same year. I mean, it was it took us eight years to hit that again.
1: So you say yeah. you blew up maybe it was like the year of shrapnel? <laughs> yeah it was just another metal reference yeah there you go it Sorry. was
0: yeah we were doing uh uh 2012 yeah it was that we did we were making battery cabinets for metro pcs and oh my were, gosh had a huge year and, wow. uh, but anyway so so you got your about. path corrected yeah that that's that's what i get excited about is just caring for people in a radical way and and you know and, and serving the people that god has entrusted to me and i learned that from my god my my grandfather and my dad
1: well you learn from experience too and and, and not to make a metal joke but as, regarding the magnet for real i think that one of the coolest things about being a christian i think one of the biggest uh objectives for us is, is to be a magnet for for the word right and yeah, you think absolutely. about uh jesus one of the coolest things about jesus is that if he was in a room of a million people, and there was he would go after the one person that was the most broken, yeah. right? Which I think is part of your your magnet magnetism, honestly. And to bring For it back sure. to metal, is that you have that same gift because you lived through the experience. So you go through this this journey, right? You go through life changes, and uh, you start to get really pulled into the family business differently, and you start to use your leadership style where you're an includer, you're a shepherd, you're a magnet. You literally are doing parties where people are going to go, they're going to have a fun night and it's all going to go back to LT productions, which is, um, those, those are his initials, but you do this and you have this interesting crux where, you know, you have to go and commit to something that's way bigger than you in, in a worldly sense. And how did you go identify your leadership style where you did this with people that maybe didn't go to college with you? Maybe they didn't go to college. These are people that a lot of them are Blue collar worker is loyal to your family, but your 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 life depends on these people because of their skill set. How did you go and kind of master that, knowing what's happened in the last you know ten years has been relatively perfected?
0: Yeah, so that's a great question. I think uh, you know, so servant leadership is my mindset. It's it's modeled after Jesus, um, and coming in, you know, one of the other questions that we we're going to get to is just like, what's the biggest challenge. And I think coming into an organization where, you know, the average 10 years over 15 years, wow. and you're coming in as the third generation guy and you haven't necessarily worked out on the floor and worked your way up. Like everybody else in the history of our organization had done. Um, was was a real challenge. I mean, we have people there. We still have an employee that's been there for forty seven years. My gosh, uh, we have three over forty uh, wow. uh, tenure, um, and so uh, that can be challenging. But what the benefit is, what I always tell people is the best we can lead is by asking questions. And so my ignorance and my like was actually a benefit uh, because I was able to lead by just asking questions and helping people, helping you know people feel heard and understood, and then leading them in a direction where you know, they thought they were saying we should go based on the questions I was asking and the way they were answering them. So that makes sense. Yeah. And so um that's what I always tell people is like the best way you can lead is just ask a lot of questions and help people come to the conclusion that you want them to come to or what's best for the entity, you know, maybe it's not what you want them to come to, maybe you learn something in the process, but just asking a lot of questions and, and, uh, and just being like, my job is to make other people's jobs easier. Like, how can I make you do your job more effectively? What does that
1: look like? I mean, are you living in the weeds?
0: Yeah, just, I mean, I did for a long time. So like, when I when I first started, I started out as a controller, worked my way up to a CFO, I went to a CPA continuing education course and the CFO said just look for areas to improve and attack those. And like until you perfect that, like then move on to the next one. So that's what I did. I just started looking, you know, going after each individual aspect of our business. Like, what can I improve here? Like, how can I help you do your job more efficiently? And even still, like when I meet with people or I just walk in the floor, I'm not involved operationally. I'm, I'm truly in a visionary seat now. Um, but, uh, you know, as I meet with people or walk the floor, I'll ask people like, Hey, is there anything we can do to help you, you know, make your job easier, make, you know, help you be more effective.
1: How is that received now versus when you started, you know, 10 years ago?
0: Uh, now, so now like, now a lot of those things are ne- – we have built-in infrastructure where those things are naturally being relayed up to the the leadership team. So, like, we're hearing those issues, and those are getting rolled up and dealt with. Even – not even necessarily have to get rolled up to the leadership team. Like, they can get dealt with at their department lead weekly huddles. Um, so now it's Was that be- all
1: in place before you were working no, there? No,
0: that's – none of this was, no. Yeah. Um, and so um, – Yeah, that was we implemented something called EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, uh, a couple years ago. And that helped really with the communication and and ownership of different um, business functions and departments. And so now, like before, everybody would be like, oh, here, let me tell you this, 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 and this, you know, when I first started, like, asking. And now it's like, no, I got everything I need. I'm good. I'll let you know. Thanks.
1: Chain of command. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have departments at the real estate company here until, like, four years ago. And it was, it was a lot of fun, but it was a different kind of exhausting. And mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, just having some structure and defined roles and responsibilities is really, really crucial. I, explain the EOS thing. That's fascinating. I never, I never heard that term.
0: Yeah. So it's a uh, model for a book called Traction um, by Gina Wickman. And basically the simplest thing is, is like everybody – it's – everybody getting on the same page for, for your vision. So what are your core values? Like live and die by those, hire by those fire by those grade by those. Um, what, what's your, your vision? So what's your tenure, you know, BHAG goal, big hairy audacious goal. Um, and, and what's your why, and having the whole company bought in on those, um, and having a leadership team, uh, and then that is based on business functions. So you have accounting and HR operations, uh, sales and marketing, quality for us um being a manufacturing business. Um and so just different you know, it can be different for different business businesses, but each each person owns their business function and they're they're accountable. So it's not called an org chart, it's called an accountability chart. So really elevating me out of the weeds, what I found out was like, I was the biggest bottleneck. I wanted to do all these things, but I was trying to do them all myself. I was sitting in the integrator seat, which is like a COO and the visionary seat. And I'm meanwhile helping, you know, enabling people down in their seats to not be able to make decisions without me saying yes or no. And so getting out of the way, we accomplished, like, I had a list of, like, 20 different things that I wanted to do, and we accomplished, like, 75% of them in the first six months. And some of them I'd been wanting to do for 10 years. Hmm. And we've accomplished all of them now.
1: Do you remember the day when you realized, you said bottleneck, but ironically, with one of the companies up here, I physically removed myself from that company and that was what needed to happen for everything to get harmonious. And that was a very interesting day when I realized that, but it, it was freeing. But also I'm like, oh crap, I was literally the problem, right? Do you, do you remember when that happened? When you were, some people call it micromanaging, others call it getting involved in helping, which I guess I was a micromanager without knowing, but was there a day where you had that epiphany and then you said, oh crap. All right.
0: Well, what's funny is, so I had, uh, I had like transformed who I was so much to be an operational minded person that like. I wasn't. I had to take a something called a personality survey through Culture Index to really even realize that I'm a visionary, not an operator.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, like, once I did that, and we started this EOS journey, and we you have basically a visionary integrator, and then your different um, department, you know, your business functions, I should say. Um, and so we, in our first meeting, like, I got kicked out of the integrator seat, you know, and I was like, okay. I'm like, this is awesome. You know, it's hard to let go at times. Sometimes, sometimes you got to let people screw up, you know, and do things the way you, you know, not the way you would do it. That can be hard, but it was freeing, like you said but um i think once we were like 3 to 6 months into it and i saw all that we were getting done like in terms of like aspirational goals that i had for innovation and and processes and technology and everything i was like oh wow i was the problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's called living in rare air yeah. right when when you live up there and you start to realize all the you know the, the messes and the mistakes that you're making and yeah it's it's euphoric but it's also relatively humbling no oh, yeah uh so so back to running the family business and and being able to disrupt or differentiate yourself. If you go back from what you've been able to add and, and to give inspiration to people that maybe are in a similar position as you, how have you done that in the metal industry, right? Where like, how do you go and put a personality, which they do, it. they do an incredible job. That's why I asked them beyond this is that in my mind, what you guys have done to the outside world is you've built a culture, right? A culture in a very age, it's, it's metal, right? It's been around for, I don't even, when, when was yeah, metal uh,
0: sheet metal fabricating? It's, I think it's always been around, right? I mean, so, that's it's the beauty of it.
1: So how have you built something different where maybe your prices are comparable to your competitors and maybe, you know, the, the tenure of the company is, is the same, but how do you go and differentiate that from a leadership perspective, knowing that what you have then today the is the same as everybody else, but maybe what you do is different.
0: Yeah. I think that, uh and there's quite a few things that differentiate us. Uh, I think our people first and foremost, so, you know, you were talking about like what makes us different and like, how do I know? Like, so the culture index thing. So I've had every person in our organization take a personality survey. So I can, the reason being is because the more I know you, the better I can lead you. The, you know it's this whole idea of like treat others the way you want to be treated that's bogus treat others the way they want to be treated because mm. the way i want to be communicated to is very different than somebody else you know if you give me instructions i'm probably not going to listen to it i'm just going to go figure out how to do it myself yep. whereas like if i give something to somebody else in my company they're going to want like outlined instructions on how to do it and the freedom to come back and ask me if i you know yeah. if they need further clarification and so just start with that like and doubling down on our culture like I'd say our culture was always something that was strong because my grandfather and my dad cared for people in such a radical way. But um, I, you know, you can't get comfortable with culture like you've always got to be drilling into, improving, doubling down on it. Especially as you grow, you can't let that change. And so, nailing down our core values and like, you know, so when I interview somebody for a sheet metal fabricating job, like keep in mind, like most places. If you can do the job and you have a pulse, like, get in here and do it. They're not even interviewing you. They may do, like, a like a test, weld test if you're a welder, for example, but a lot of times they're just, like, you're hired. So, like, we, they have to do this personality survey before I'll even, you know, meet with them or accept mm-hmm. their application. Um, and then we, I interviewed them to our core values. So they have to give me examples of how they demonstrate our core values so they know how legit we are. Mm. And I had somebody the other day just be like, I, I, was, I always tell people I'm always looking whether I'm hiring or not. So I'm not, I wasn't hiring at this time, but I interviewed this guy and spent time with him. And he was like, thank you so much for this. I've never encountered a fabricated." This guy had been in the business for 30 years. He's like, I've never encountered anything like this. Mm. And he's like, if you ever have anything open up, let me know. And so just taking that approach of like, you know, making sure that people fit your culture because we like one of our core values is whatever it takes. Well, a lot of people don't have whatever it takes mentality. They want to collect a check and go home and work their 40 hours and that's perfectly okay. Yeah. You're just not going to fit in, in our culture. Um, and so understanding that and, and really honing in on that and just our people appreciate that. And so um, as they have, as we bring more people in that align with them, they get along with them better. They're able to work with them. And really just, you know, so that's how we have an average tenure of like over 12 years, even though we've almost doubled our staff in the last six years. Wow. And so um, our people are what separate us and then innovation. So really focusing on, you know, we reinvest my grandfather, my dad had always done that. We reinvest almost all of our profit into Um, new equipment Uh, we have a 15% profit share so like we're putting 15% of everything everybody makes back into their 401k and then we take the rest and we're basically investing it into new equipment Mm -hmm. and my grandfather my dad had done that even in years when the business lost money And so things like that people remember and they care they care about you and the company more than they care about themselves. Um, and so, between our people and our technology, I'd say that's what really, and that both those two things allow us to have really good quality. Um, and so, those are what really, I think, separate us as
1: an organization. What's your biggest challenge?
0: Hmm, biggest challenge right now. Um, scheduling is always a challenge you know so we have like
1: for you personally or just for no
0: for the company so like we have 800 jobs flowing through the shop at all times 800 yeah so that are all due in the next eight weeks and those are could be quantity of one or five thousand. um and you know this could be jobs that take 10 hours or that could be take 200 hours and have 20 different operations you know, um, or have twenty different components inside that job that all have to be manufactured and meet at a certain place in the in the manufacturing process. So I'd say scheduling is just a constant challenge for us, um, not something that I am intimately involved in, but our. Operations. That's probably a good thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Um, and and so as far as you know, opportunities to grow, like how being a visionary and using your your gifts for for greatness, literally for greatness. What are you doing on a daily basis to make sure you are always thinking ahead?
0: um so you know we have uh, we have a weekly leadership meeting so where issues are rolled up from the floor and and we have our ten-year goals and our one and three year goals so we know where we're going and we're we're making decisions and and moving towards those now um, so we know that we're trying to be the most automated job shop in the world in ten years and so you know if I'm waiting till ninth year to start investing in all this new equipment then I'm going to be too late. So I'm constantly looking at new innovation, new equipment, all these things where I'm investing time like in that now, even though I don't necessarily need to order that equipment tomorrow, uh, for example. You
1: think that you're pretty uh, different versus your competitors in that sense, where you're not working you know, in the business every day and in the middle of it, you're thinking bigger picture. You think that gives you potential to go and grow the company even bigger?
0: I think so. I mean, I think that, you know, some of our, I always tell people like, we, we're our, people think of us as like one of the biggest in the nation just because of our presence on social media. That's and, what I would and, and think yeah. uh, And because of our excellence and who we work with and who we serve. But we're actually a, a relatively medium, small to medium sized business uh, that I always tell people like, we have the technology and the capacity and capabilities of like the big sheet metal fabricators. Um, but we are, we give you the small, company feel and the way that we serve you with excellence
1: Well, 12 year uh, average tenure too i mean that's, exactly. that's the reason people are, are loyal to you
0: for sure i appreciate that so we you know yeah, you know, there's some companies our competitors have two 300 people their model is always be hiring and laying off so they're constantly hiring laying off people uh whereas we've only had two layoffs and our one layoff in 45 uh, years my family's owned it um in a very cyclical business um, and those were people that, that, uh, you know, were, had come on, that was after the telecom bust in 2000. Um, we had one other, where we had just laid off some temp people that had come on for a couple months because of a big project in 2012. Other than that, no layoffs. And the reason is we let people work as much overtime as they want. So like a lot of companies will have, you know, an eight hour shift, they'll have two to three shifts and they're constantly hiring and laying off. We say we have one shift, a flex shift, people can come in as early as they want, uh, early, a fourth 30 is the earliest they can come in, and they can stay as late as they want. They just have to be there from 7 to 3.30. So what that does is it allows them to make more money because they're working overtime, and it allows us to not have to hire and lay people off or fire and lay people off all the time. Um, And so really people think that like, wow, that hurts your bottom line too much. Do you have any idea of the cost of hiring? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's nothing worse than having to go out hiring and, and yeah. then you lay people off, and now you're paying unemployment tax on every single employee. We have the lowest unemployment tax you can have, and we have had that for 10 years. Wow. So, um, it's just a different model that really separates us. So, between the flex shift and the um, automation. That, that we're able to ramp up and do a lot more and play in the big boy space without really having 200 employees like some of our competitors and did. win and you're winning yeah we're winning yeah yeah
1: what about the best advice if you had to pinpoint the best advice you've ever received what is it man that's such a hard question um well then start with what, what advice would you give somebody what what advice would you give somebody that is potentially going to go and work with the family business with the intention to do similar things that you've done?
0: Yeah, I think um, for me the the best the best thing that you can do and life is all about your perspective, right? Um, and so, if you're a follower of Jesus, that having the perspective of whatever you're doing, doing it for the glory of God, and and knowing that you're gonna you're gonna receive eternal treasure for that. If as long as you're doing it, if you're sweeping the floors, if your job is a janitor. You come in, and you sweep the floors, and you're doing, I'm doing this to the glory of God, and I'm doing it with excellence because it's for His glory. One, you're going to have a lot more motivation than you will for the paycheck you're going to be getting. But two, you're going to have eternal treasure, like literally that's going to last forever. And so like the best thing, the best advice I can give you is like have an eternal perspective as it relates to work. I always tell people like, you cannot pay me enough to do my job. It like manufacturing is in a, especially in a precision environment is nonstop demands, nonstop, just you know, thanklessness, really. I mean, just because you're constantly churning product out that is, and we ship a million parts a year or more, um, you know, so, and and each one of them built within, you know, very tight tolerances. So you can't pay me enough for that. But, but what I can have is eternal treasure. And as long as I'm doing it for the Lord, then I'm not dependent on, you know, whether this deal goes through or not. Like, I'm doing it for God's glory, and I'm trusting him in the process. And so I just encourage people, like, learn colossians 3 23 and 24 and like apply that to your life because for me i went from punching the clock like when i first started at all medals i was like what am i doing here like i went from throwing parties to like doing journal entries and i took a pay cut to do it you know what i mean uh and i'm like what am i doing here lord and when i learned that perspective and had my perspective changed by that verse those two verses it it changed everything i literally went from like being punching the clock to being the first one there and the last one to leave because now i'm doing it for god's glory and and and, and an eternal treasure instead of a paycheck.
1: Hmm. Wow. That's yeah, you got you got that down pat. That's powerful stuff. What's Thank the you, best man. way to support you professionally? Like who are you prospecting? If somebody's watching this today and they're like, "Oh, i i know a guy that could use all metal fa- fabricating who 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 are you who, who's your prospect?"
0: Um so yeah we're mostly B2B. Um so we're not doing like you know you're off the hey i need this you know <laughs> cover made for my <laughs> A uh, metal business but, yeah, card. Um yeah. Uh so we're doing mostly B2B stuff. So um, I would say if you have somebody that needs something made of metal, uh, that's just yeah. Uh, you can you can email. Well, Who's who
1: like the unicorn prospect? Who would be? Uh, you never know the power. Yeah, of these tele,
0: telecom, banking equipment. So I mean, we're doing everything. I'll just kind of run through, and we do. Uh, we're making cryptocurrency mining equipment. We're making um, surgical tables. We're making uh, rotate. So for COVID victims, when they get um, uh, their or or pneumonia victims or drowning patients, we make these rotating hospital beds so that it puts the uh, victim facing down. Um, So that's uh, some exciting stuff. Um, We can make plain parts we can make you know anything made of metal we can do it um and and you can connect with us one way you can help us is just follow us on linkedin uh all metals fabricating and um and just you know comment and like our posts i get so many people love our stuff it's bizarre because people always want The people are fascinated with how things are made and so you like walk by metal all day every day and you don't think about how it's made and so people really enjoy those posts i mean everywhere i go i get people stop me. I love your posts. Yeah, you I so them. Their metal yeah. makes me so happy. It's crazy. But people are fascinated with how things are made. So but that's good. I mean, like the more people that are liking our stuff, and we get a great leads from LinkedIn. So um, yeah,
1: that's why follow, we're here. It's not because he's my I mean, you're my buddy. But seriously, I, I found I don't even know how I started following him. I found myself like a fan. I was like, how am I always the first like on here? It's because it's so engaging and welcoming. And they also are they're edifying the culture. And, the, and you, the people yeah. that are part of it. Seriously, it's, it's really, really well done. Thank you. Um, last question, the second to last question. What's the best advice you've ever received?
0: Um, so I would say, uh, man, I was looking through a bunch of it, uh, some advice. That, that that journal I forwarded to you, I've got just pages and pages of uh of different pieces of advice i think one thing is like it takes a it takes a lifetime to build a reputation of integrity and it takes one bad decision to get rid of it
1: why are you looking at me like like (laughs) look at the camera Oh no
0: i mean like i just think that like that's so powerful um you know uh just yeah i mean just as you walk through the day-to-day just being faithful with what's in front of you and, and, um, you know, seeking the counsel of others, I think accountability and, um, and wisdom and the counsel of many, and, and is, is huge to make sure you don't, uh, fall into a victim of, of an integrity, you know, something that's going to jeopardize your integrity.
1: I love it. Last question, your legacy. We talk about your legacy in 50 years. What is it? How are you remembered as, and we're going to talk about the professional side of you. How are are you remembered? How is AMF carried to the next generation? What have you done to secure your legacy in the world of leadership and business?
0: Yeah, I'd say um, just caring for people in a radical way, Um, servant leadership, serving others. Uh, Just just continue to you know, I tell people like as the CEO. My title should really be the CSO, the Chief Servant of All, because I'm, like, literally flip the organization on its head. Like, that's the way I look at it. Like, my job is to sit, to serve... Everybody in our company, and and that might sound confusing in the way that plays out practically. Um, I mean, you have obviously have to have systems in place to make sure that that works, um, because I can't be answering every person's you know questions and yeah. whatnot. Uh, but if you go at it with that mindset, um, then people feel cared for hmm. naturally because you're you're there to serve them. And, um, so that's, that's what I would want to just lead like Jesus. That's, that's what I want to be remembered as someone that led like Jesus led. Mm. And that's by putting other people, other people before themselves.
1: Love it. Actually, I have another question. Um, if you were metal, what would you be?
0: Stainless steel, baby.
1: Oh my gosh. You, and then your least favorite type of metal.
0: Uh, I love all metal.
1: (laughs) What's the most overrated metal?
0: (laughs) Overrated. I don't think there is an overrated metal. Uh, I can't, I don't know.
1: So stainless, why stainless steel? It's, you,
0: it's, uh, it's the strongest. It's the sexiest. <laughs> I don't know. It's the best looking. It's the strongest. It's, it has the most anti-corrosive materials. So a lot of, properties, I
1: should say. A lot of Googling going on here from the <laughs> audience. Um, man, you're, you're a stud. I love, I love how you love to lead and it's, it's so authentic and believable. And you make things like metal and Christianity um, very um, inviting, and I think that that's part of your gift. Uh, and I really do. I think a magnet, you, you are a magnet, um, and it's just coincidental you're in the world of, uh, of metals. And if you think about it, whether it's through parties or friendships or the faith or your industry, your gift is to literally bring people in and to keep them, keep them close to you in a really genuine way. So, thank you, brother. I appreciate yeah, it thanks, so much. Thanks, I catch you Yeah, well. thank you. Um, yeah, but yeah, the, I keep, so you don't have a least favorite metal. They were not. What I if they don't know? Money, what if can make
0: money on all metals? But
1: what if there's like one metal? You're but like, I never really. It's all metals. But you never. But like, what if it was all metals with a star except for we this do, one? We
0: don't do very much in titanium.
1: Oh, I knew it was going to be titanium. <laughs> yeah.
0: But titanium's pretty cool. Man. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's my least favorite. Um, hot rolled steel maybe because hot
1: rolled. Steel that was if, on my list. Of hot rolled hot steel
0: r- is like the least attractive, like least high quality steel
1: there is. Yeah. See, so. I knew we'd get it. That's the beauty of the podcast. Is eventually <laughs> when he cries when you cry is it metallic tears? <laughs> oh sorry. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks for being a great friend and for being on the show today. Absolutely, brother. Appreciate great job. You, man.